I asked Paige to play that video. It's an old video, one of my favorites though, because I don't know about you, but it's grace. It still captivates me. The fact that he died on the cross never gets old. I heard that song earlier this week and I was like, God, your grace, it still amazes me. What you did, what you've done, who you are, I'm so captivated. May we never be a people that just know the story, but that it simply, consistently amazes us. And I literally feel like I could just begin this entire night on my knees, honestly, I wish you could feel my heart and feel my hands because there's work to do in this room tonight. I have felt it all week and I'm tempted to move away from the book because there's work to do in this room. There are people in this room that need to be set free. There's bondage in some people's lives. I can't pinpoint who it is. I don't know. But there's been a heaviness on me all day, this whole week as I prepare for this message. And I don't know if it's you, and I don't know what it is, but I want you to hear me that I'm not here to just talk about a book. We're not here to just sing pretty harmonies and put all the pieces together. If it's not simply about His grace, it's noise. His grace still amazes me all. Have you been to the foot of the cross and looked up and recognized what he's done for you, for me, so that we can have a hope, so that we can have a future that's more than this earth can offer us? Maybe there's someone being called to ministry in here tonight. Maybe there's someone that needs healing. His grace is new every morning. His mercy is new every day. 
and it will still amaze you whether you're in your 20s or your 50s or your 80s. His grace is amazing. Don't forget it. Don't take it for granted. It is available in the blood that he shed on the cross that day. When you say that you would like to be a part of his kingdom, part of his family, that blood runs through your veins. You become a child of God. There's no greater place on earth than to be a child of God. I don't care how great your daddy is, or how great your mommy is. Your mom can't play the piano like my mommy can. <laughs> I don't care. There's no greater place than to be a child of God. There's no greater position. There's no greater role than to be a child of God. Do you know him? Is that who you are? If it's not, tonight is the night. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today. Don't wait. Don't wait. He is worthy. And he's got you. He's got you. Let me pray. Lord, your grace still amazes me. Your love, like it said, it's a mystery. How you can give your all just so that we might give our all. Thank you. We don't deserve it, but you wanted us that bad. God, help us to hear you tonight. Help us to experience you tonight. And help us to respond to you tonight. You are patient with us. May your power be evident in this room tonight. And may we respond with openness and humility and complete freedom. May we trust you on the journey. May we join you on the journey. May we let you in on the journey. Help us to give you a say in our plans, in our life. Help our life to matter beyond this earth. God, we want to be a people that leave legacies that last forever. And the only way that happens is if we are yours. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to try to move on. My heart is racing and my hands are sweaty. And the Spirit of God is so here and he wants to work. And it's a work that's deep and it's beautiful and it's holy. And I'm just praying that you'll let him do it. Just let them do it, okay? But we're doing this book called Decade by Decade, and I'm going to trust my notes here. It's been a great book thus far, and we are at the 50s tonight. And you might not be 50. I'm not 50. But I know people that are 50, and I'm about to be 50, all right? And some of you have been 50, and some of you are going to be 50 for a few more years. But here's the cool thing about what I, what I worked on this week when I worked about the 50s is that um, whether you're in the 50s or not, that what the Lord is saying to me about tonight's message is for everyone. And I'm thankful for that because I was a little bit intimidated to preach about the 50s and I haven't been there yet. You know what I'm saying? It's like talk about something you haven't experienced yet. You know, if you have a bungee jump, you probably shouldn't talk about how it feels to bungee jump, right? Well, I haven't been 50, so it's hard to talk about what it's like to be 50. But I am reading the book and I am listening to the Lord, and so we're going to jump in. And one of the words that the Lord gave me is intermission. Intermission, and I thought, 
what about intermission? Like, it's halfway or what? And yeah, so this is kind of what I'm saying. Like, a good intermission is full of people in the narthex or in the foyer chatting about how great the show has been so far, right? And, and then they can't wait to get back in to see how the show ends. I'm reminded of the Lion King that came to Van Wazel a few years back. We run the very last row, the very last seats. We got the last tickets that were available completely. And we were back there and it starts. And it's amazing. If you've ever seen Lion King in person, it's amazing. The costuming, the songs, the, I mean, just amazing. And so it starts, you know, the beginning of the song, the circle of life, and it's going nuts and it's amazing. And, it, and everyone just is like, and clapping after that song was over. And you're just like, it doesn't get better than that, right? But you know, if you know the story, you know, it gets really good. And so intermission happens and we're using the restroom and we're grabbing a, a bottle of water and we're talking, we're chatting and we're excited to see and we're talking about the characters thus far and our favorite animals from the beginning. And then the movie, the show goes on and it ends and it ends really, really good with a new beginning. It ends even better than it began. And so as the Lord was kind of jogging my memory and flying, King was like, oh, 50s. The middle. The intermission. Where we get to decide if it's going to end better than it began. And I'm here to tell you, I might not be 50, but I've decided I want it to end better than it began. You can decide. You get to decide. You don't have to wait till you're 50. Your story has a beginning and it has an end. And you get to decide how it ends. You may not have gotten to decide how it began. You didn't get to decide who birthed you. You didn't get to decide where you lived when you were little. You didn't get to decide a whole lot of things like the cards you were dealt. But you can decide how it ends. And I don't know about you, but as I stand here in this season of my life at 47, I've decided. And I'm not going to wait till 50 to decide. I have decided I want it to end better than it began. And so as God gave me the word an intermission for the 50s, I pray that whether you're 50 or 20 or 14 or 80, that you will decide right now. It will end better than it began. We're going to look at a few pieces in this book, and we're actually going to work backwards. If you have read this chapter, we're starting in the back of this chapter, and we're working our way the other way. So what's interesting about the 50s is it talks about different aspects. Like, the 50s is an opportunity to prepare for your 60s, and, and you get to stand, stand on platforms in your 60s that you prepared in your 50s. And then it talks about your own North Star and all the things that you want to decide how the rest of your life goes and what you want to prepare for and what you believe. And then it also talks about the leadership in your 50s. The word for the 50s is stride. And I think that's an interesting word. Basically, you're in stride. But the Lord gave me the word intermission. I don't know if you've ever been walking around your neighborhood or on a good walk once in a while, you're going to take good walks around our neighborhood. And honestly, when we're walking, we do a lot of talking and thinking. And so I think the word stride, it means that you're in motion. And it even says, kind of like a thoroughbred in their 40s running through the thick mud. When you hit your 50s, the mud dries out and you're able to get a better, better run. And you're kind of in stride in your 50s. And you're kind of in motion. But the Lord said intermission, and I realized... Sometimes when 
air hearing or walking, we do our best brainstorming. And so if you find yourself in your 50s and you find yourself in stride, don't think that means just keep going that direction. Take a second as you're walking and really think with the Lord and think about where he's sending you and think about what he's saying. Do that brainstorming. Listen for the Lord's voice. Even in stride in your 50s. Sometimes in our 50s, we're just going. Sometimes in our 20s, we're just going. Anybody? <laughs> we can be in stride at any age and just go and just think that we're just going where we're going. Aimless direction. But I want to encourage you to listen in your stride. Take a second to think with God in stride. And maybe even at some point, you'll be in stride with Him. So many times we can just go. And the next thing you know, we're just going. But if we can just listen for Him and ask Him, what are you saying? Where are you sending me? What's this season about? Then we're not just going, we're going in stride with Him. And I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. That's the sweet spot I want to live in. That's the good stuff. I saw a sign that says the beach is my happy place. And it kind of is. But here's the thing. That truly is the place of joy. Living in stride with God. It doesn't just happen, you know. It doesn't just happen. And so be careful in your 50s, in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 80s, that you're not just going, but that you're listening and you're going with God. So in the back of this chapter, it starts talking about some of the leadership things to, to be aware of in your 50s. And you've heard about the midlife crisis that can happen in your 50s. I was reading up about that this week. And it can actually happen anywhere between 35 and 60. So if you find yourself in that age group, don't be surprised if you're already feeling some of these things I'm about to say. That's okay. We're going to talk about how to loop out of it real soon. But here's some of the things to watch out for in your 50s as a leader or maybe even earlier. And if you're not in your 50s or not in this space, listen because we have a remedy here at the end. Here's what it says. Fog is the number one enemy of leadership. And it talks about a sports car and all that you can do on the Audubon, driving really fast on the Audubon. And imagine it, you're coming down a big hill in a Bugatti. You might know what a Bugatti is? It's the fastest car. And so you're coming down the hill and it says, and you see at the bottom of the hill, there's a dead spot. What do you do? Well, some people would say, hit the, hit the pedal to the metal. <laughs> but wise people would say, slow down. Well, here's what it says. It doesn't matter how much mental horsepower you've got in that Bugatti brain of yours. If your head is in a fog, you may not be going over a mile or two an hour, and you're still feeling the danger. Likely we have both had years where the entire year felt like we didn't get anywhere. We are still where we were when the year started. You know why? Our heads were in a fog. We were going too slowly. We got about a mile down the road when we could have gone 245 miles in that same year. Fog is your enemy. Find a way to clear your head of fog. Ask yourself questions. Have a friend help you clarify your thinking, but do not wander around in a mental fog. We'll talk about that in a second. 
And it says this, stay as far away from foggy thinking as you possibly can. And we're told in 2 Timothy that the Lord authors a sound mind. Do you believe that? I do too. But we also know that there's an enemy who calms and tries to make us foggy. I'm getting ahead of myself. Number two, fatigue is the second enemy of leadership. Fog always results in fatigue. You just feel exhausted. You didn't do anything, but you feel as tired at the end of the day as if you've done a lot. It also turns us introspective and negative. Projects which seem easy, we're, we're rested, seem impossible when we're exhausted. Fog results in fatigue. This happens now when you start feeling fatigued, you can start being negative. Have you ever seen someone that seemed, always seems so joyful Seemingly negative. Maybe they're tired. Pray for them. Flirtations are the third enemy of leadership. Fog always leads to fatigue, and fatigue always leads to flirtations. I'm not just talking about sexual flirtations, although those may be included. I talk about flirting with ideas with which you should not be flirting. Flirting with the idea of suicide, flirting with the idea of leaving a profession you really like for the rest of your life, to take a job you'll be miserable in for the next three years. I'm talking about making unwise decisions just to get out of the fatigue and the fog. Keep your head clear of fog, fatigue, and flirtations. I was reading that and I was immediately brought to the belt of truth. Listen to me. If you find yourself, no matter what age you're in, if you find yourself in a fog that is leading to fatigue and that you just feel like you just want to feel better, I want you to tighten that belt of truth. The belt of truth that is fitted around your waist, which is the word of God. There's a reason why Paul put that one first in Ephesians 6. Let's look at Ephesians 6 really quick. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to to resist in the evil day, having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Listen, there's a reason why Paul put that first when he listed the armor of God. Because it's the foundation in which we stand on. If you find yourself in a fog, if you find yourself in fatigue, if you find yourself flirting with just wanting to feel better, tighten that belt of truth. That is the word of God in you. And if you have not spent time memorizing scripture, start today. Start today memorizing scripture. I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the night that I couldn't just get out my Bible and look up that scripture. I had to pull it up from the depths of my being to speak it over my mind as I felt fearful or I felt attacked. Start memorizing scripture today. Plan it all over your house. Put it on your mirrors. Put it in your car. Put it on your walls. Put scripture all around you because when and fatigue and the flirtation to feel better sets in, you got to tighten the belt of truth, friends. It's foundational. It's that which you stand on when everything is trying to pull you down. The word of God is the remedy for a foggy, fatigued brain that flirts with just the idea of feeling better. The word of God will tell you who you are and what you stand for and how to persevere. And remember, get in stride of God. This season for a 50-year-old or anyone else is a hard season. And you're going to find yourself just wanting to feel better. But I want you to press into the Word of God. I want you to persevere in truth. The Roman soldiers back then, 
else. You see, Paul saw and he knew that the weaponry attached to the belt had to be securely on the person because if the belt wasn't tight, their weapons wouldn't be in place when they needed them for, for defense and for safety. Instead, if the belt wasn't tight, the belt would fall and they would not even have anything around their waist to fight and protect and they'd be vulnerable. Listen to me, when fog and fatigue and the flirtations of sometimes people or ideas or death come at your door, if you have not tightened your belt of truth around your waist, your weaponry has fallen and you will be vulnerable. The belt of truth is the word of God. Place it in your home. Place it in your car. Start memorizing scripture now. Don't wait until you're 50 to use the word of God. Learn it now. The youngest person in this room, start memorizing scripture. Start believing the word of God. You will need it. It will be a weapon and a shield for you in a time of need. The word of God is key in your 50s. Start memorizing it now. And it goes on to talk about the North Star and how people in their 50s start living by this North Star vision. This 50,000 feet direction. Not a direction that's on the ground with us looking ahead, but a direction where you can see it and it directs you. And it gives these questions that we're going to look at here in a second. It gives these kind of questions that you start thinking about in your 50s that kind of help direct your life. And we're gonna go ahead and pull those up now. The first one is, sorry if you can't see these, but the first one is, who is God? Well, you might remember the message that I did some months ago, that poor self-esteem is poor theology. And I think that we could stop there. We can figure this out in our own personal lives. We can do a lot of things. What difference do I want to make before I leave this earth? This is asking about what is my purpose? We have friends from our former church that had a very successful dental practice and he decided one day that he wanted his life to even do even more. He was doing great work there, but he wanted to do even more and they quit their dental practice and they moved to Haiti and they're working there now doing great work, but he had decided that there was more. And so they did more. Why am I on this earth? How will I make this difference? And how long do I want this difference to last? What I love about the last question, which is going to be on your far right, and the top question is if they mirror one another. Who is God? And how long do I want this difference to last? Let me tell you something. If we can figure out who God is in our lives, and we can honor him with who he is, and bless him with who he is, then that difference you're going to make will be eternal. If we can understand that he's the eternal supreme being who created you and knew you in your innermost being, knows the numbers of the hair on your head, and has a plan for your life, then if we can figure some of that out, then that difference will be eternal. But I know this, and I think about how can I answer these questions? How can I figure out how to answer these questions? A lot of people would say, well, just be you. 
Look within yourself. And Eric and I were talking this week, and I want to say this. I've been me. It doesn't go well. I want to be his. And I'm going to tell you who was the most his ever was his son Jesus. And when I think about how to navigate these questions, I can't help but think I got to know Jesus. I have to study his life. There was never a time that Jesus didn't know. Let's keep those questions up for a second. Thank you for being with me. You're doing a great job. But I want to keep those questions up for a second. There's never a time that Jesus didn't know that God was his father. In the desert, he was tempted, hungry, thirsty, exhausted, potentially anxiety pressing in. He still knew. He still knew that God was his father. He knew exactly why he was here. He knew exactly what to do about it. And he knew where he was headed. You want to know how to answer these questions? Jesus. That's not some church answer. That's not some church answer. Because listen to me. I don't want to figure out. I don't want to look deep inside Marcia and figure these questions out. I want to look deep inside the Christ-like Marcia. To figure these questions out. You see, Marcia, left to her own devices, comes up with a lot of good ideas that include a Coke and some french fries. Amen? Just want to make sure you're awake. But here's the thing. Marcia comes up with a lot of good ideas. But Christ-like Marcia really has a different filter, a different view, a different vision, and it's God ideas. I don't want to just look deep within me to figure this out. I want to study Jesus. I want to know him. He knew exactly who his father was, always. All of his miracles were obedience. Do you understand that? All of the miracles that he's performed were obedience. He stepped up to the plate and did what he was asked to do. He came to earth. He stepped up to do exactly what he was asked to do. Every miracle was obedience. Now, I'm getting excited. You guys are looking at me like you're hungry. But listen to me. I study the life of Christ, and it blows my mind. It amazes me. He knew exactly why he was here. And while literally from beginning to end of the Word of God, he's the star. If you really read it, you'll see that. He came here to bring his power glory. There was no confusion for him. See, it was never about him, for Jesus. Yet it's all about him. But it was never about him, for him. I want to be more like him. I want to know that my life from the time, January 28, 1974, to whenever my last breath is, that it was never about me. I don't want to look deep in myself to figure these things out. I want to look deep within him in the Christ-likeness that's growing in me to figure things out. How I'll make this difference? Jesus! How I'll make this difference? Because listen, no matter what it is that we're doing, it gets hard. I know you could agree with that. And when it gets hard, 
What are you leaning on? Because most things we lean on, they're fleeting. They won't last. But when I lean on a risen Savior, I have all power. Do you get that statement? When I lean on a risen Savior, I have all power. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. How will I make this difference? Jesus. And let me tell you something. In the 50s, it says you know a lot. You know a lot, and you know a lot of people. And what happens is we start to rely on our own devices, our own knowledge, our own experience. And let me tell you something. God allowed you that experience. He wants to use it, absolutely. But he wants the glory to come all back to him. And he is worthy. Do you believe he's worthy, church? My North Star direction is Jesus. Another message for another time, but when we talk about North, you know there's a true North and there's a magnetic North. Another sermon series, another time. But I was reading this week about that and I was really fascinated that you could set your compass to North, but if you don't set your GPS to true North, that you can end up so far off course from true north because the magnetic north takes you somewhere else and your compass will go that direction but if you will set a gps to true north it will take you every single step to true north let me tell you something jesus is our true north the world's going to sell you a magnetic north don't go there don't do that jesus is our true north and he is our north star direction are you looking to him and then in the beginning of the book, it talks about platforms. Of, of this chapter of the 50s, it talks about platforms. And every 50-year-old has an opportunity to stand on a platform because people are listening. Because remember, they're in stride. And people are watching. And people are listening. A lot of times in their 50s, they're leading things. They're the boss. They're the manager. They're taking care of business. And people are listening. And people are, are following. And it talks about the platform. And it talks about if you had 15 minutes for people to hear you, in every language on earth, what would you be speaking? What would your platform be? What do you want them to hear you say? You get to decide in your 50s, and you get that opportunity because they're watching, they're listening, especially your children. Believe it or not, they might be grown, but they're looking to see if you meant every word you said when they were young. They're watching to see if you're going to stick it out. And they have questions and they're asking you. And they're looking to see if you're open to their questions. Let alone the world listening and watching and wondering if you meant what you say. Just the other day, I was thinking about this as I was reading and I was like, if I had 15 minutes, I get 15 minutes most Saturdays, but I'm talking about when the whole world could hear in their own native tongue. What would I want them to hear? And it makes me emotional because there's so many things I want to say. But I want them to know about God's love. I want people to know that he loves them so much and he doesn't, he doesn't see them for their iniquities. He really sees their potential through Jesus. He sees that the cross makes them whole. And he 
loves them so much that he made a way for people to be whole. Yes, he knows they have iniquities. Yes, he sees their sin. And yes, but he doesn't just see that. That's why he made a way. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, I just want people to know how much God loves them. So many people have this view of God and this judge and this angry father and all of these things that he just sits up there and he's nitpicking all the things that they get wrong because their father did that. And trust me, God sees the wrong and he hates it. That's why he made a way. And I want people to hear that he loves them. He loved them enough to not leave them in their mess, to not leave them in their wrong, to not leave them in their sin. He loved them enough to make a way through the cross, to send his only son. I just want people to know how much God loves them. That's how big it is. God of the universe can see the sin and he hates it. He wants to be as far away from it as he can. He can't be near it. He's too holy. That's why he made a way because he loves us that much. I mean, I hope you're getting this. It's so big. His love is so vast. His love is so amazing. Yes, he sees you're wrong. That's why he made a way. He loves you that much. And Eric asked if we have any prayer requests. This week up on Monday, he asked us as he was finishing up the prayer email. And I just was driving and I said, I just, I really want more opportunities to just tell people that God loves them. And I might not get 15 minutes to say it, I might get 15 seconds, but I want to exemplify the love of God as I go. And I'm driving down on array and coming towards our home and I see in the distance there's someone walking on the side of the road. As I get closer, it's a young lady. And she's carrying a bag and she's carrying her shoes and she's soaking wet. And I don't always pick up people off the side of the road, don't worry. But um, I did that day. And so um, I drove by and I had just sent the text message five minutes before that that said, I want more opportunities to tell people about the love of God. And I passed this girl and I was like, well. I was like, yes, sir. You see stride? We just are going. You see, I actually had to get home. We were having a uh, Christmas in July staff party on Monday night that I had to go home and decorate for. I had one hour to get there, do that, and get ready. The staff was coming over. I, I got to have things to do. I'm in stride. I planned my schedule perfectly. But he's like, well. And so I broke stride and went with God and turned around and she was on one side of the road and I pulled over off the side of the road and I said, hey, okay. And she said, yeah, I'm fine. She looked at me and she said, fine. I said, you need a ride? And she said, um, that's okay. I said, are you sure? And she looked over at me and she said, are you sure? <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> um, I said, where are you going? And she said, I'm going to Walmart. I said, Walmart's really far away. And, um, she said, I need a bicycle. I said, get in. And so she got in and she put her stuff in the back and I helped her get situated and, and we took off. And I said, well, there's a Target. And of course that wasn't um, where she needed to go for her budget. And so I, I thought, I have a bicycle. But then the Lord was like, get, take her to Walmart. And so I was obedient. And I said, um, I 
called Eric and I said, hey, I'm picking up a lady off the side of the road and I'm taking her to Walmart. I'll be home in a little bit. And I just hung up and I'm sure it was like, so I'm driving her and I don't know what to say. And so I just say, hey, I just, I just texted my staff. My husband and I were pastors and planted a church here a few years back. And I um, just texted the staff and I said, I'm just really looking for opportunities to tell people about God's love. And then I saw you. And so I don't know what else to say except God sees you and he loves you and he wants you to know that and he's got a big plan for you and I get to be part of that plan right now. And so I just hope that you, no matter what's going on in your life, that you will know that you're so loved and you're so not alone. And I looked over and she was just staring at me with the biggest eyes. <laughs> and she had tears running down her face. And we had a good talk and I dropped her off at Walmart and obediently just drove away after I prayed with her and everything like that. And I got to see her the other day on her bicycle going down the road. But um, here's the thing, guys. Like, don't say you want a platform if when the opportunity comes, you won't stand on it. There's opportunity everywhere. Beginning in your home. The generations have questions. And sometimes the first one is, does God really love me? Does he truly love me? He does. The first platform is our home. Our neighborhood. Our workplace. And while I might stand on a stage, this is not my first platform. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to journey in life with my children in different seasons in different ways and to answer their questions and to point them to a God who truly loves them and who gave himself up for them and would do it all over again. But he doesn't need to. The cross is already spoken. But I don't care if I'm in my 50s or from 47 or from 82. The platform remains to tell the story of God's love and to learn his word and to study the life of Christ so that we can better navigate whatever decade we're in here. So that we can be the likeness of Christ daily striving to be more and more like him. He is worthy of our effort. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our surrender. He is worthy to stop us in our tracks and turn and take stride with him. He is worthy of it all. Are you so amazed by him? I believe that when we're willing to break stride and go with God, we're in an intermission. And at that point, we get to decide it's going to end better than it began. Have you decided to follow Jesus? He's worthy. I'm going to ask my family to come forward. We're going to sing this song.
that kind of asks some questions and answers them. And it points us all to the one who is worthy. It points us all to the one who has given it all. He is worthy of every decade. Whether you're full of passion or not, he's worthy. Maybe when you're figuring it out still, he's worthy. When you're digging for success and seeking significance, he is worthy. When you've hit your stride, he is worthy. When the whole world is watching, he is worthy. May we keep telling the story of Jesus and that he is worthy. He is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all honor and glory and power. Our children, our neighbors, our co-workers, our church people are watching. May we speak a language that all the world hears that he is worthy.